Hello, I'm Peter Goodwin with more news from Paris and the very busy European Society for Medical Oncology meeting. I've just been to a session on gynaecologic cancers where we've heard about seven-year overall survival data in ovarian cancer. It's all about using PARP inhibitors after initial therapy. And I talked with the investigator Paul De Silvestro from Providence, Rhode Island. You know, when I came out of fellowship in 1999, the only thing we had was combination taxol and carboplatin chemotherapy, basically for all histologic types, all stages, it was the only way we treated ovarian cancer. And despite different efforts along the way, we hadn't really made much progress. Um, starting around 2009, 2010, we began to see the emergence of the first targeted agent in ovarian cancer, which was bevacizumab. And it showed progression-free survival benefit. In the end, it didn't show an overall survival benefit, but it led to practice change. With time and with the development of PARP inhibitors, what we had realized from a biologic perspective was that Ovarian cancers, and especially high-grade serous or endometrioid cancers, which are the majority of them, demonstrated something called homologous recombination deficiency, which made them susceptible to what are called DNA-damaging agents, and in this particular scenario, the, the class of drugs called PARP inhibitors. Right, so enter the PARP inhibitors. What happened? So with the PARP inhibitor data, what they found early on is they were seeing, and, and these, again, these were early-phase trials, they began to see tremendous responses in subsets of patients. And so uh, came to realize that this group of patients, and especially the BRCA-mutated patients, um, were seeing significant benefit. And that led to the development, uh, at least as it relates to Olaparib, of study 19, and, and then uh, basically moving up to second-line platinum-sensitive recurrence in the SOLO2 trial, and then uh, obviously on to what we're talking about here today. So what were you trying to discover in the SOLO1 study? Could you describe the study to me? So we were trying to understand if putting patients on a maintenance course of Olaparib for two years afterwards would enhance not only their um, progression-free survival, but, but answer the question, do people live longer because of this? And that's really what we were striving at with today's presentation. So could you tell me about the data you've gathered? Yes, the data tells us that unlike prior trials in this area, 67% of women were alive seven years later. Now, both you and I, can do a lot of things in seven years. And the fact that two-thirds of these patients were still alive is a tremendous advancement in ovarian cancer care. How many patients did you have and what happened to them? So there were 391 patients enrolled on the trial. Two-thirds of those were put on the maintenance olaparib, randomized to that, and one-third to the placebo. And basically, like I said, 67% of them were still alive seven years later in the olaparib arm versus 46% in the uh, placebo arm. What was the breakdown in terms of any molecular markers, like HRD, for instance? So in this particular trial, we focused solely on patients with BRCA mutations. So we did not have a more um, inclusive criteria subset, such as the Paolo 1 trial, which was presented today as well, which used not only the, the BRCA mutation status, but also non-BRCA, but still homologous recombination deficient patients. Mm. So what are the findings and recommendations coming out of your study? The, the findings, the recommendations are patients who have advanced ovarian cancer and a BRCA mutation should be offered two years of maintenance olaparib at the end of their primary chemotherapy if they are in complete or partial response. And what about going in earlier with the olaparib? That's a good question. Um, there's thought that perhaps olaparib can work as a single agent, 
um, in women who have a, a BRCA mutation in advanced ovarian cancer. So there's some early trial work going on looking at the role of PARP inhibitors alone as neoadjuvant chemotherapy or as neoadjuvant treatment uh, for this population of patients. And what about adverse events? Because there is an incidence of things like MDS and AML, isn't there? There is. It's low. It's about 1% or maybe slightly more than 1%. And we really haven't seen much difference uh, from, the five, from the initial presentation in 2018 to now four years later, we've seen one additional case in both the placebo and the treatment arms. So it's remained low. Do you see the scope for other targeted therapies, perhaps extending those uh, survivals further? I believe so. I, I, we don't, you know, if you look at the biology of ovarian cancer, it's very diverse. The homologous recombination pathway is just one pathway, and there are many others. So what we're trying to discover now is, let's say you don't have a high-grade serous or endometrioid cancer, but you have a different one. Perhaps there's a drug that's more targetable towards your cancer that we can use for maintenance going forward, and we, and we hope to see that. And at the session we've both been attending here at ASMO, we've seen plateauing survival curves. Does this mean there is a possibility of a cure? You know, we can't obviously make that exact statement, but if you look at seven years out, there was a very interesting paper by uh, Dr. Dude, D-O-O-D, who looked at a uh, 2.3 million, million people with cancer um, through a large database and found that if you look at the separation of how long somebody would, uh, of the risk of somebody recurring from their cancer versus the average person who doesn't have cancer, that separation starts to merge at about seven years. So seven years is a pretty good indicator of our potential for cure here. And what should patients be making of this now then? Patients should be asking their doctors, if they have a new diagnosis of ovarian cancer, they should be asking their doctors, how do I get to know my germline or somatic status and understand if I'm going to benefit from these kinds of drugs? That was Paul D. Silvestro, Director of Women's Oncology at Women and Infants Hospital, Brown University in Providence, Rhode Island. From the Paris meeting of ESMO, I'm Peter Goodwin.